Hi, everyone. Welcome to our podcast, where you will find messages from various speakers here at Eastgate House of Prayer Mission Base, both a house of prayer and a praying church. We pray that you are blessed through this message and that a greater measure of truth is revealed to you as you listen. We've been going through these past, um, well, the last time I shared, we're going through the gifts of the Spirit. So we went through the first three gifts of the Spirit, and I was planning to do um, the next three, the power gifts, which uh, are awesome faith, healings, gifts of healings, and working of miracles. Um, but the Lord impressed upon my heart. He was like, no, I want you to touch on this first before you carry on. And, and I believe that it's out of necessity that I'm supposed to touch on what I'm going to today. And um, I hope you find it interesting um, in the sense of maybe you haven't taken the time to look at some of the historical things that I'm going to touch on. Uh, Let's pray right now that the Holy Spirit really, uh, what He's breathing on, that it would gain access into our hearts and uh, edify and build us up in our faith today. So Holy Spirit, we we present our hearts before you right now and we just say, we're hungry for you. We're hungry for your word. And we want to be adequately equipped, strengthened, empowered to run and do life in the kingdom, advancing your kingdom. And we know that this is not by power, it's not by might, it is by your spirit. And so we're asking that you would quicken and teach us even today as we sit here together around the table and listen to what you have to share and learn from uh, history even um, because of where we're going to. And I believe that the Lord said, you need to share on this because it's already started and it's not going to stop. What I'm sharing on today is to prepare our hearts for the manifestations of the Spirit in the church. The manifestations of the Spirit in the church. Some of you have had some experience maybe in the past. Maybe you've walked through a season or a time of renewal. Um, But there's many who haven't. And there's many that would, uh, the potentials of, because of, more because of ignorance, um, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but, but, but because of ignorance, they don't understand what it looks like when raw God bears down upon the human soul and flesh, that there are some manifestations that could be very surprising you know, for some. And uh, so I feel the heart of the Father and the heart of a shepherd is is to prepare those watching on the streaming to 
prepare us because I'm telling you, we're already seeing it. We're seeing scoliosis healed, hands healed. Like we're seeing like things are, you know, eyes, like things are being healed and there's shaking and there's different manifestations that are taking place, uh, you know. Uh, and so I feel like this is going to give a lot of courage to a lot of people to be able to confidently move forward in the next season that we're going into. It's already upon us, but you, we're going into it. And I feel as a shepherd uh, that the Father is saying, I want you to prepare the body. And so, that being said, we're going to touch into some historical uh, accounts. There is, uh, one of the things I want to make clear is that there is a historical precedence for the manifestations of the Spirit. And I've drawn a lot of this from different resources, so um, I'm going to be doing a lot of reading, not so much looking at you, but I want you to hear what the Spirit is saying. How, how is He, what is He giving you today that is going to prepare you, even to prepare somebody else, that you're going to have a voice when, when He breaks out and you're going to be able to actually give an answer and uh, give assurance to the heart, whatever that might be. Throughout church history, unusual manifestations caused by the Spirit's presence have been documented in virtually every part of the body of Christ. Christians from every tradition have written extensively about the manifestations for centuries. There's thousands and thousands of testimonies out there of the power of God breaking out throughout history, and it, it's not just the charismatic church. If you were to have, you and I were to have a conversation, you'll see with Wesley brothers, <laughs> they got some stories to tell you, you know, like Azusa, you know, there's some stories to tell. And so let's not chalk it up as, oh, that's those charismatic kind of folk there, you know, um, like we're talking every stream. So the same manifestations occurring we see these testimonies, uh, the same manifestations occurring in the lives of many today uh, that's taking place have occurred often and throughout history. Accounts of manifestations are reported from most revivals in history. So almost every revival, significant revival, there's written accounts and documentation. Books and books could, could fill this room with the accounts. So there, so what I'm saying with this is, is there's a corporate witness meaning the body of Christ. There's one body, right? How about we all say amen? There's one body. There's one head. His name is Christ Jesus. And there's one body. And so the body throughout the nations has given witness to and testified of the power of the Spirit moving at different times and in different ways throughout the nations. And it's wise for us to learn from history. Amen? So there's a corporate, corporate witness of the church. Touch on the French Huguenots. Anybody ever hear of them? French Huguenots? Fit, here, I'm just going to start going off here. Physical manifestations occurred with the old and young. It's not just for the young folk. It's, it's the old and the young. 
okay? I'm just making that clear. I'm in. Um, as many fell down under the power of God and experienced what seemed like involuntary uh, contortions. This is going to be pretty funny. I've seen a few of those lately. Uh, the first awakening in America, 1730 to 80, prominent revival leaders in England and America were John and Charles Wesley, George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards. They experienced many of the same manifestations that are taking place today, just beginning. We're, I'm telling you, things are going to blow out. The Lord's been speaking, and it's, this is why we're doing what we're doing right now. Get ready. Hold on. Everybody say, hold on. John Wesley, 1703-91, the founder of the Methodist movement, was most well-known for uh, most well-known revival preacher of his time. He reported that people dropped on every side as thunderstruck as they fell to the ground. Others were convulsions exceeding all description. Many reports. Many reported seeing visions. Some shook like clothes in the wind. Others roared uh, and screamed and fell down in voluntary laughter. Uh, I think I might have seen some of that. Um, Wesley journaled this January 1st, 1739. About 60 of our brethren until 3 in the morning. Nightwatch likes to hear that. Uh, the, the power of God came mightily on us insomuch as many cried out for exceeding joy and many fell to the ground. John Wesley prayed. I want you to hear this prayer. John Wesley prayed, Lord, send revival without its defects. But if this is not possible, send revival defects and all. (laughs) Do you hear that? It's like, Without them would be awesome, but if it means defects, I don't care. I just have to have you, God. Yeah, so good. I love that. George Whitfield in the 1700s preached to nearly nearly 20,000 times to perhaps 10 million hearers. He witnessed the same manifestations as Wesley. Whitfield's uh, journal inserts are similar to those described of Wesley and Edwards. Whitfield wrote of many falling to the ground, trembling exceedingly with strong convulsions. People fell down, cried out, trembled with convulsions, twitchings. Sinners dropped down, shrieking, groaning, crying for mercy, convulsed, agonizing, fainting, falling down in distress or in raptures of joy. Sounds pretty extreme both ways. The noise was like a roar of Niagara Falls. The vast sea of human beings as agitated by a storm seized with convulsive jerking all over. (laughs) I'm just letting you know. So if somebody calls you a jerk, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, Lord, help me. Um, George Whitfield worked with Wesley in England. When people started to fall in Wesley's meetings, Whitfield protested in a letter to Wesley writing, I cannot think it right. No, I won't do the accent. (laughs) I cannot think it right in you to give so much encouragement to these convulsions, which people have been thrown into your ministries. Ironically enough, 
When Whitfield came to confront Wesley in person, he found himself reprimanded by the reality of what was taking place. For when Whitfield preached the next day, four people sunk down to the ground, close, very close to him. Almost in the same moment, it was just like four people just dropped around him. One, one of them lay, lay without sense or motion. A second trembled exceedingly. A third had strong convulsions all over his body, but made no noise unless by groans. <laughs> so you might not make noises, but you may be groaning. Um, the fourth person, equally convulsed, called upon God with strong cries and tears. That's so powerful, guys. Man. From this time, Wesley writes, I trust we shall all suffer God to carry on his own work in the way that pleases him. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to. <laughs> Could God have his way? How about we stop trying to control God in our midst? Jonathan Edwards, 1703 and on. The great leader of the first awakening in the 1730s to 40s, New England, is considered to be one of America's greatest theologians. He became the chief spokesperson for the revival, trying to bridge the difficult chasm of emotional excessism and freedom of the spirit as evidence with manifestations. He provided a comprehensive biblical evaluation of revival and its manifestations in his book, so if you want to get this book, A Narrative of Surprising Conversations and the Great Awakening. Edwards wrote, Many young people appeared to be overcome with the greatness of divine things. Oh, man, that just wrecks me. And many others at the same time were overcome with distress about their sinful state so that the whole room was filled with nothing but outcries, fainting, and such as alike. And many were overpowered and continued there for some hours. Some have been so overcome with a sense of the dying love of Christ as to weaken their bodies. They couldn't stand because of the revelation of the love of Christ piercing their lives. I, oh, man. Turn to your neighbor and say, we need a revelation. It was a very frequent thing to see a house, a, a house full of outcries, fainting, convulsions, and such or like. Both were uh, both with distress and also with joy. So it wasn't like, oh, this is revival, you know, laughter, somebody falling. Because over here you had somebody crying out, God, deliver me of my sin like under the power of conviction. So you had, and then another person dancing and another person on there with their face in the ground saying, holy, holy. So it's like anything can happen in the presence of the Lord. Amen. It was common to see outcries, fainting, convulsions with distress and joy, so affected that their bodies were overcome and they stayed all night in the church. Some insisted, uh, 
sorry, there were some instances where people lying in a sort of trance, remaining for perhaps a whole 24 hours motionless. I want you to just think about that. And with their sen- it seemed as though their senses were locked up. But in the meantime, under strong imagination, as though they went to heaven and had, the, had there a vision of glorious and delightful objects. This is written in the Great Awakening book, page 550. Uh, their joyful surprise has caused their hearts, as it were, to leap. Come on, because you're looking at the fruit, okay? They're going into this encounter, this trance, where they're not moving 24 hours, but they're coming out with their hearts leaping with a revelation of Jesus so that they have been ready to break forth into laughter, tears, often at the same time issuing like a flood and intermingling uh, a loud weeping. Sometimes they have been able to forbear crying out with a loud voice expressing their great admiration. It's incredible. Francis Asbury. He's got like six schools named after him. Asbury Theological Seminary down there. Uh, He was appointed, and get this, I want the young ones to hear this. He was appointed by Wesley, he was 22 years old, to go on the circuit, and they called him an exhorter, and he would go preaching as a revivalist, 22 years old, on fire for Jesus, and he was sent on horse whack that horse, send him on, and he's like a blazing fire preaching wherever he went. That was for free. Appointed by Wesley in 1771 as a missionary to the colonies, speaking of the Americas here, uh, was dis- he was a disciplined man who insisted on meetings being conducted in proper fashion. Yet his meetings were characterized by shouting, falling, crying, and the jerks. (laughs) I guess that's proper. Um, The Cane Ridge Revival meetings in Kentucky in the early 1800s were led mostly by Presbyterian preachers. It was reported people shook, lips quivered, many fell to the ground with shrieks and shouts. Peter Cartwright was a prominent revivalist at Cambridge. He wrote the manifestations of the jerks that seized the saints and sinners with a convulsive jerking all over, which they could not by any possibility avoid. Listen to this. The more they resisted, the more they jerked. (laughs) Oh God, you have a sense of humor. The following was the report of an atheist. He's this free thinker, James B. Finley. Anyway, I'm going down to the bottom here. At at one time, I saw at least 500 swept down in a moment as if a battering ram of a thousand guns had been opened up upon them. Then immediately followed shrieks, shouts uh, that rent the very heavens. (laughs) This, This is an atheist giving account. He says, I fled for the woods and wished I had stayed home. <laughs> so I can see, what the heck? You know, he's like he's running for his life because he just doesn't know what the heck is taking place. Can you imagine? So you're, you know, 
Maybe you're in a church the size of Kings or something. You've got 500 people. You know, Phil, it looks full in there. And suddenly, whoom, <laughs> all of them are down, falling out and screech. And what is, I mean, power of God. What does it look like when raw God bears down upon a people? Man. Charles Finney. Anybody hear of Charles Finney? 1792, 1875 is considered by many to be America's most powerful revivalist. He is often credited as being an instrument to bring a half a million conversions from the 1825 to 75. Finney witnessed the same manifestations as were witnessed that were witnessed today. I think this was where I was getting my information was around the Toronto outpouring time. Uh, He reported spasmodic laughter it was impossible to keep people from laughing. Can you imagine? Would you just stop laughing? And it's just blowing out. Like everybody is, it, it, like they're overcome with the joy of heaven. And they cannot stop. And the more you try to stop them, the louder and the more crazy it gets. This is Finney, okay? Like fear of the Lord. And yet, these are the manifestations that are taking place in his meetings. Um, yeah, now they're speechless for hours, fainting spells. Finney described people as falling under the power of God's presence in his meetings. The congregation began to fall from their seats every du- in every direction. Can you imagine? You guys all, I'm sitting here, and you're all just going every which way, laying on the floor, feet up on the chairs. So it's just like, like a, somebody dropped a grenade in there. And he, this is what Finney says, I was obliged to stop preaching. <laughs> Clearly the Lord took over. At the schoolhouse near Antwerp, New York, Finney described the phenomena of people falling under the power of God's presence. An awful solemnity uh, seemed to, to settle upon the people. The congregation began to fall from their seats in every direction, I cry, uh, uh, and they cried for mercy. Okay, this we're talking spirit of conviction. They cried for mercy. If I had a sword in each hand, says Finney, I could not have cut them down as fast as they fell. I was obliged to stop preaching. <laughs> That's what he says. George Fox, 1624, was founder of the Friends, a.k.a. the Quakers. The Quakers got their nickname from many cases of people who physically quaked in their meetings whenever the Holy Spirit moved with heightened spiritual. <laughs> oh, oh, Jesus. Take the wheel. Um, Fox had tremendous influence. For, listen to this. This is the fruit. So in the midst of this, we're not just looking at what's happening on the outside. So they're shaking, quaking, but it says about this fox, he had tremendous influence for righteousness during his generation, leading thousands to Christ. Come on. So it wasn't just a self-serving kind of shake or emotional, like, we're talking there's fruit going on in these people's lives. Frank Bartleman, anybody hear of him? Azusa Street Revival, 1906, 
gives account of uh, this, described as many shaking, speechless, motionless, and being enraptured, drunk in the spirit, which is Joel. You know, you're talking about the scriptures. It's Joel, Acts, book of Acts. Uh, laughter, visions, tongues, prophecy, and the like. There have been many moves of God in the U.S. in the last hundred years since Azusa revival in 1906 that have been used by God. John Alexander Dowie, healing revival, 1890s. Azusa Street in the 1906. John G. Lake, 1910. Amy Simple McPherson, uh, 1920, Voice of Healing Revival, Oral Roberts, William Branham, Kenneth Hagen, T.L. Osborne, etc., 1940s to 50s, and the Welsh Revival, Evan Roberts, 1904, in Great Britain. The Charismatic Renewal with Catholics and Mainline Protestants, uh, denominations, 1967. The Jesus Movement, Chuck Smith, Lonnie Frisbee in the 70s. Vineyard Healing Revival with John Wimber in the 1980s. International renewal ministries like Rodney Howard Brown, Reaching Pentecostals, 1993. Toronto with John Arnott, Reaching Mainline Denominations. Uh, Cheon, Lou Engle, Pasadena, Pensacola, Steve Kilpatrick, Steve Hill. Renewal in Kansas, Smithton. And uh, Healing Revival in Reading with Bill Johnson, 2000. There's a prominent man by uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who's uh, very well-known probably in the States back in the day. Well-known back in the day, we'll say that. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, 1899 to 1981, is considered by many to be one of the most influential voices in the church in the Western world in the 20th century. For nearly 30 years, he ministered at Westminster Chapel in London, one of the most well-known churches in the world at the time. He was one of the main evangelical champions, powerfully resisting the tide of liberal theology. This gentleman pointed out that it comes nearer to being the rule in revival that manifestations occur, such as people groaning in agony of soul and feeling the power of the Spirit to such an extent that they faint, fall to the ground with physical convulsions, and sometimes people seem to fall into a state of unconsciousness, into a kind of trance, and many remain like they're there for hours. He wrote that these phenomena uh, are not essential to revival. Okay, so do you hear that? All of these manifestations are not essential to revival, and he's declaring this, yet it is true to say that on whole, they do tend to present, uh, to be present when and where there is revival. So it's not like the manifestations create revival. No, God comes in and revives, and it just so happens manifestations of power are released. So controversy. I want to talk, I want to touch on controversy here. There's been controversies throughout the uh, ages in the church with regards to specifically the manifestations of the Spirit. Uh, Jonathan Edwards said, A work of God without stumbling blocks, 
is never to be expected. Selah. He exhorted people to not oppose the Spirit of God in the revival, but by and large, his warnings went unheeded. By 1742, a majority of the New England clergy concluded that Great Awakening was merely an epidemic of emotionalism. I dare say. Reverend Charles Chauncey of Boston became an articulate champion against revival. He effectively articulated the doubts, fears, and criticisms of the revival. His books became bestsellers. Everybody say sad face. <laughs> it's, worth, it's worth noting, okay? This is what I want you to pay attention to. It's worth noting. The fruit at the end of the lives of these two prominent figures, Edwards and Chauncey. Edwards is now regarded as one of America's greatest theologians and most effective revivalists, okay? That's Edwards. Chauncey became one of the founding theologians of Unitarianism, which, dis, which discarded the Trinity, means they don't believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He became an advocate for universalism that all would be saved regardless of whether they had relationship with Jesus. So we're, took, we're saying look at the fruit of the lives here. Chauncey is no longer considered a hero who saved the people from emotionalism. He is now seen as a religious bureaucrat who defended the status quo without comprehending the realities of the Spirit and the glorious revival occurring in his generation. You think about all of those motivations that he was pushing, fear, you know, and all of these things. That, you know, perfect love casts out all fear. Uh, we don't like we don't like it when meetings get messy and unpredictable. It is embarrassing and offensive to most of us. If we find a revival that is not spoken against, we had better look again to ensure its revival. No one would pretend to claim that every revival burns with a smokeless flame. That's Arthur Wallace, a well-known theologian. We don't like it when meetings get messy, unpredictable, and embarrassing. It's, it's, offensive, uh, uh, it's offensive to us. So in 1 Corinthians, I think it's 2.14, it says it speaks about the carnal mind, so our natural mind where it's offended with the things of the Spirit. And so this is what he's actually touching on. If we find a revival that is not spoken against, we had better look again to ensure it's actually revival. No one would pretend to claim that every revival burns with a smokeless flame, meaning you're going to have mixture. You're going to have, like, that just is what it is. Whenever, so let's go to the scripture. Whenever Jesus and Paul, think about this, so bringing these things into context. Whenever Jesus and Paul uh, went, uh, wherever they went, there was confrontation, there was riots, 
There was controversy. All of these things occurred. Luther, Wesley, Whitfield, Edwards were extremely controversial characters in their day. Many revivalists were kicked out of their denominations. Think about that. So the leading revivalist in the area here, thrown out on his ear because he's preaching. This is like, oh man, it's like that religious spirit. So, um, but once the dust settled, centuries later, they have come to be highly revered and seen as fighters for orthodox Christianity. We revere them and call them the greatest theologians and revivalists, you know, uh, in history. And yet in their day, sounds a little like Jesus, doesn't it? The religious system, the political system, they're the ones that went after him to murder him. We are wise to take the advice of Martin Lloyd-Jones. We must be careful in these matters. What do we know of the Spirit falling on people? It's just a sobering question to ask. What do we know that we could actually counsel God? What do we know of the Spirit falling on people? What do we know about these great manifestations of the Holy Spirit? We need to be careful lest we be found fighting against God least we be guilty of quenching the Spirit of God. There are three things that you would look for. I think I'm going to tie some things up here. Um, three things that you would look for in every move of God. These are the things that will be there. You will have God's power being released. You're going to have demonic trying to get an inroad into what's taking place. Why? Well, be, just think it through. You're talking about two kingdoms, right? There's a kingdom of light, a kingdom of darkness. When a move of God breaks into a region or into an area, it's an advancement. Everybody say advancement. There's an advancement of the kingdom of God breaking in, meaning people are going to get free, they're going to get healed, they're going to get delivered. You know, that's going to take place. Souls are going to come into the kingdom. That's what happens in a move of God. So the demonic spirit wants to come in. And I maybe a couple months ago, I talked about the religious spirit and the political spirit and how they work together. And they look to creep in. Religion looks to creep in and shut down a move of the spirit. Well, how would a religious spirit do that? Well, simply this, is that he finds agreement in your heart. You start to be critical of your brother and sister. You actually are the one pointing the finger and saying, you don't measure up. You're a freak. You know, no, there's real stories. Like, I remember hearing testimonies of like, there's one story, this young lad, he was like in his teens or whatever, 
during the middle of the meeting, it would be like me preaching here and him falling on the ground and rolling back and forth, and the ushers were going to go move him. And he said, no, leave him, leave him. And he just, the whole meeting, this young lad is rolling back and forth, shaking and, and just, just having an encounter with the Lord. And you could say, well, it's distracting. Put him, you know, put him off to the side. Uh, do something with him. He's bothering me. Because that's what a critical spirit does. That's what a religious spirit does. It's, it's like, get things in order the way that I see they're supposed to be in order. Turns out, get through it. They stand the boy up at the end of the meeting after he's done preaching, and he has a conversation with him, and he does a little interview with him. He said, what happened? And uh, this young boy gives his testimony of abusive relationship with his father and all kinds of garbage of his past and didn't feel like he could be loved by the father or embraced by Jesus. And he's complete. he gets up completely healed, sound, delivered, whole, knowing that the, and the Father was rolling him around in this encounter. Father God was rolling him around and loving on him. He came up different, changed because of one encounter with the heart of the Father. But the religious spirit is like, get him out of here. He's a distraction. We're going to do godly things around here. I know I'm touching on something, and I'm doing it intentionally. Ah, there's a war going on. I'm at war with this thing, because I'm telling you, this, this garbage needs to be kicked to the curb. Kingdom of God, you know, is a manifestation of His love being released. And so I may see somebody going through an encounter. Somebody might be screaming. The other one might be rolling. Instead of pointing the finger, what if I just said, Holy Spirit, I just bless what you're doing. Whatever you're doing, I don't even understand it. I don't have to understand it. As long as it, lies, it doesn't contradict Scripture, it doesn't go outside of the bounds of Scripture, as long as it doesn't go outside of that, like whatever's going on, then God, have your way. Do what I can't do. If you can heal that heart in a moment that I couldn't do with a thousand hours of counseling, God, please do it. Come on, we have a generation gripped with addictions, oppression, fears, anxieties. I don't care how much counseling you do, it's not counsel. That's going to be the answer to that. It's an encounter with the love of the Father. There's an exchange that needs to happen in that. And it's when He comes. So when we're talking revival, I'm not like, I just want everybody, I want mayhem. I want everybody shaking and baking. And it's like, I don't give a rip about that. I want everybody revived in their relationship with God with the life of God flowing through them with boldness in love so that they feel like they can run and jump up into the Father's lap at any time especially when they mess up 
Not go wallow in shame for a week because you don't feel like you would, you would be received. I gotta wait till he cools down a little bit before I come to him. Can anybody relate? I remember that. Messing up, I was like, oh, I get around my dad, he will whoop my bahuki. Yeah, wasn't wasn't cool. Not at all. And so I just would run the other way. I messed up. Run the other way. It's like not so in the kingdom. When you mess up, he's saying, I want you to stop, turn, and run to me, son, as fast as you can. I want you to just full-on sprint and jump into my arms so that I can love you back to life so that I can break the shame off of you so that you're walking with your head held high, boldness and confidence and love, and then you can go and tell people how amazing I am because I'm amazing. I'm the most awesome father there is. This is what we're talking about as far as the kingdom. And so there's there's more I could talk on with regards to discernment. You know, but the Spirit gives witness to Spirit. And we're called to walk in the Spirit so that we don't fulfill the deeds of the flesh. But it's also walk in the Spirit so that I can discern what's going on here, Lord? What are you doing? You know, I can hear what he's saying. And actually, it reminds me, um, I had a word of knowledge uh, during the worship. There's somebody who works, in, and they may not be here, they might be on the streaming, but there's somebody who works in a call center, and you're thinking about leaving, um, shifting, getting a different job, whatever, and the Lord just says, just wait. Just be still, wait. And it's not time yet. There will be a shift, but it's not time now. So whoever that, if that means anything to anybody here or on the streaming, but it's, but it's just, he's got you, and he's just saying, not yet. Um, but he's going to let you know clearly. He told me he would let you know clearly when it's time to make the shift regarding your employment. Um, yeah, so confidence. Confidence in love. So the point of sharing what I shared here today is there is a move of the Spirit. The Lord's revealed it by way of dreams and not just one, but many people having where the Lord is giving dreams and understanding. There is, we're, we're stepping, we've crossed over, we're stepping into, and you're going to see the manifestation of His power in your midst. And it's like, are you okay with that? Because it's a real question. Are, are you going to stay in your natural mind, which I guarantee you're going to be offended by what's going to happen. I guarantee it. But now with understanding, okay? This is why I shared what I shared. With the understanding that you have now, Jonathan Edwards, Wesley, you know, like, I mean, on a, like just Whitfield, all of these guys who we consider the greats, all of this happened. It was normal for the move and the power of the Spirit in the midst taking place. What it was, one of the words, I think it was called divine chaos. 
you know and so I'm saying this to prepare your hearts to be in a place where this is what's going to win love and humility and what are we called to learn I'm just pointing up on the wall here it's it's by his love the world's going to know you know it's like we're his disciples is because we're actually loving one another. We're believing the best about each other. You know, we see deficiencies. It's not like, it's too bad. It sucks to be him. It's, it's no, I, I just begin to feel his heart, the heart of the Lord for that brother or sister. And I just begin to, it's like, Lord, I'm praying in that area, they will become... They will walk in such a life of purity, God. They'll be champions of purity, God. They'll be examples of purity. You know what I mean? Like, I can go to war and fight for my brother or sister like that. And they, won't, they, they don't even have to know about it. And what's done in secret, I'm just saying, I'm going to be rewarded openly. That's the way the kingdom works. And so I get to fight for you and you may not even know that I'm doing it isn't that cool the Lord told me very clearly I'll close with this this is I don't know how long ago maybe a decade or more but it's but I was in a place of being critical and I found myself critiquing somebody who's a leader he was a preacher uh, I felt just because of some failures and I just had this opinion that was from the pit of hell. It was just critical, nasty, deep down. If you, if you expose it, I could candy coat it for you. I'm not going to. It was ugly. It was nasty. And it was a pointing of the finger. And I heard the Lord so clearly. It was like, son, you don't have permission to write anybody off because I don't write anybody off and it essentially it was like get your bahuki in line and put your love on and learn to love learn to fight for the ones that need you to fight for them become a champion of the weak Become a champion of the broken. Instead of, what are they doing here? It's like, celebrate. What can you find to celebrate about one another? I'm telling you, love and humility would literally annihilate a thousand evils in the church. Love and humility. Just, it ain't rocket science. It's like, but it's, but it's real. And it's intentional. You don't just magically get, oh, come on, preacher, just touch me and I'll have the love of God and it's just going to be easy to love everybody. And it's like, no, no, love, love, love looks like something and love costs you lots of times. It costs you. But here's the thing. You and I are empowered to love by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
we're not trying to do it. If you're, if you're trying to love in your own strength, you'll know it because you're going to hit a brick wall, face plant, and frustration, anger, all of that stuff. But if you tap into the love of the Holy Spirit, it's unlimited supply. This is why you can forgive and forgive again and forgive again and forgive again. How many times? There you go. Man, you, you guys are reading your Bibles. What are you doing? No, I'm kidding. It's so good. Yeah, why don't we stand? Thank you, Daddy. Father, I thank you with all of my heart that you're preparing us for what you're doing. We're not asking you to come do something that we want done. We're saying we're looking to position our hearts by your grace and in your grace to be prepared and ready, made ready to love the one in front of us to be entrusted with the power of your spirit and of your presence, to have boldness and love with you and boldness to love one another. And I thank you for the gifts of the spirit, God, the power of your spirit that is for the edifying, the building up, the structure of your church. I'm talking about the people here. It's like to encourage and to build up the people of God, because as we're built up and strong, that means that's what's flowing outside of the church. When we go, we're going with courage, with power, with strength, with the gifts of the Spirit flowing, that river flowing out of us. And so if, if you're like, Lord, I need that river to flow afresh in my life, just encourage you, put your hand on your belly. And it's, it's just a gesture before him and just saying, Lord, with sincerity, I really want this. I want you flowing through my life. I don't want a year from now, same old, same old. I don't want to look back five years, a decade from now, and nothing's changed or even that my heart has grown cold or hard or callous. I cry out all the time like this. I say, God, give me a tender heart. I want a tender heart. I want to be sensitive to your spirit. I want to hear your whispers. I want to know what you're doing, what you're feeling. And I want to partner with you in everything. And so, Lord, I'm asking that you would release that grace to us now as a family. And I say, Lord, grow and strengthen this family and the greater family of God, the body of Christ, in this region and in this nation to the nations. And we're just, find us here even as we leave, Lord. Find us overflowing with grateful hearts, with thankful hearts for everything that you've done and what you're doing right now. And Father, I'm asking right now for a spirit of activation. Holy Spirit, activate the gifts. Activate the gifts because it's the gifts that build the body. It's the gifts that strengthen. It's, it's what love looks like. Love flows through the gifts. Love flows through the gifts. It's the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. The love of God flows through. 
And so, Father, I'm asking right now that you would increase, God, in each one of us. I'm asking for breakthrough for each one of us, God, to flow and to move with you, God, to intentionally, when we gather like this, few, whether it's in a small group or many like this, but when we're gathering, that we're coming with our faith on, we're coming having already asked, Lord, is there somebody that you want me to talk to, to encourage? Do you have a word of knowledge for somebody? Do you want me to pray for somebody's healing? Like just, like that everybody's a, you know, um, functioning in the kingdom. It's not I'm just come to listen to some preacher I, or come to sing a few songs. I've come to minister to the body. You all I just commission you all, in case you didn't know, like you're all commissioned to minister to one another as the body of Christ. Because this is each joint supplies. Every person supplies. And so, Father, we just say, activate us. Act, start here with me. Activate me. I want you to say that. Talk to them. Take 30 seconds and just say, activate me. Things that need to be turned on, turn them on because I'm signing up to love. I'm signing up to serve. I'm signing up to minister to the one in front of me. Lord, I'm asking for a baptism of your love, your joy. I'm praying that everybody in this place, those at home right now, I pray you all get wrecked and whacked by Jesus. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit fills you in such a fresh way that you just have moments of being lost in the revelation of the beauty of who he is, of his goodness. That you get whacked on such a level of the love of God for your heart, for your life, right where you're at. And out of the overflow of that love, you're going to love those around you. God's people said, amen. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. To find more teaching resources or to join us via live stream, visit our website at eastgatehouseofprayer.ca.